Welcome back to the Decarb Connect podcast. And today I'm really pleased to be joined by Chris Craker, who's Emerging Technology Program Manager for NW Natural. And for those of you who don't know, that's a gas utility on the West Coast of the United States. And we're going to be talking about how NW is kind of tackling the opportunities around a hydrogen business model. Um, and rather than say any more than that, actually, Chris, I'm just going to hand over to you. Why don't you give us a bit of a feel for how you've arrived at this point in time? And uh, we'll jump off from there. Sure. Thanks, Alex. I really appreciate you inviting me to be here today. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. So Northwest Natural, as you mentioned, small gas utility out here in, in, uh, in Portland, Oregon. We have serve about two and a half million customers, been around since 1859. So um, been here quite a while. And um, yeah, so we're, we're actively trying to decarbonize our energy supply. Uh, and we can get into the details in, in a little bit, but um, a big part of that is, is hydrogen. And we, and we um, started really getting in depth into hydrogen uh, a few years ago. And that's kind of where I joined the, uh, the renewable section of our company. Um, previous to that, I had been working in our, our natural gas vehicle section, and uh, really things just started heating up around hydrogen, and we wanted to get a little bit more focus on that. So I joined uh, the renewables group. I think it's been two years now. I've been at the company only four years, so a newbie. And uh, yeah, we've been we've been working on hydrogen ever since. Okay, so that's a useful useful scene setter. So so let's just add to that a little bit. So you, you mentioned that uh, NW's been looking for sort of different ways to decarbonize both, I suppose, services to clients, but also its own uh, supply and resources. So w- what has been this experience of hydrogen so far? Where, where are we at in terms of NW's experience in that in that market? Yeah, so kind of early days, but yet it feels like we've, we've done a few significant things. So ultimately, as we look forward to that energy decarbonization portfolio, we're going to have a, a mixture of gases. We're going to have renewable natural gas coming into our main backbone system, uh, which we're actively pursuing and procuring today. Um, we're also going to have uh, methanated hydrogen coming on that's 100% compatible with our system. But we're also going to have uh, pure hydrogen blended in. And uh, we also feel that we're going to have 100% hydrogen pipelines, um, either repurposed or new, to customers that need or can use that 100% uh, hydrogen source. So heavy-duty trucking, marine, aviation um, industry, and things like that. So what we're doing right now is we're preparing for that blending, and we're preparing for that 100% um, world. Um, it's a, it's a few years off for that 100%, but we're still nonetheless preparing for it. So. To date, uh, we've been working with about a 5% blended gas and introducing that into some of our test buildings and um, which really simulate um, the environment they our appliances operate under and just double checking to make sure that there is no difference with this blend. All of our standard operating procedures work just fine and uh, there's no different leakages and things like that. And so far that testing has been pretty benign. I mean, we really haven't found anything. It, 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 it's kind of the most boring testing we've done to date. So, but nonetheless, we need to do it. And so uh, we're building on that. So we've kind of learned all we can learn from that. And we're now introducing a five to up to 20% blend in one of our buildings. And that'll be more of a long-term test, probably about a year and uh, continued learnings on that. And then finally, we have a pilot project where we're going to be blending uh, about 5% hydrogen, hydrogen into one of our communities. So slowly building up our knowledge level um, and we'll be serving probably around 2000 customers once that's all done and built. So uh, it's, it's pretty exciting. I'm always interested here in the UK, we have um, a project up in the, the north of 
England where they're testing ever more increasing blends and ultimately kind of just hydrogen into the home. And it's always interesting to hear that it's going into those sort of domestic environments. It'll be interesting to see what, what additional kind of messaging and, and you know, all kinds of programs will need to come up around that. But anyway, today we're here really to talk more about uh, the industrial landscape. And when you and I checked in ahead of this podcast, you um, used this really interesting phrase. You said, you know, this is it's kind of an important part of our strategy to help keep industrials in the state and decarbonizing economically. Tell me a bit about some of the pressures that are you know in play within the state that means this is not just this isn't just about clean energy this is also about an economic proposition for the state yeah economics and jobs quite frankly um so without a uh, overall arching federal climate policy and carbon policy um you know businesses have this ability to basically move around where it's it's lowest cost to operate and so if if there's no uniform um framework to uh, put a, a cost on carbon. We have a situation here where we have West Coast states that very much want to decarbonize, which have uh, businesses that that span not only North America but also the globe. So when they look at their specific factories and operations here, they look at, you know, uh, you know Portland, Oregon, and they say, well, what's going on there? Well, our costs are increasing. Well, let's move that factory over to to uh, Louisiana. Uh, we don't have any anything hindering us for for a carbon cost there, let's just move. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, we're, we're seeing movements towards penalizing these companies for emitting carbon. And uh, they're basically saying, fine, we'll, we'll move. And so you still have the same emissions when they move. Uh, so we haven't really accomplished anything there. And uh, all the jobs and economic benefits from these companies have also gone with them. So you've now shot yourself in the foot there. So we have this, this real, conundrum where we'd love to decarbonize, but we want to keep those businesses here. How do we do that? And so we're working with local governments to figure out a way to accomplish both at the same time. And we're looking at, at hydrogen to, to, to get us there. So let's then look at hydrogen and this interest that there is in, in kind of getting this right infrastructure in place. But where, where are you seeing an interest in hydrogen coming from in terms of industrial or kind of more corporate clients? And what kind of uses are you starting to hear people have an interest in? Yeah, so it depends. It's I wouldn't say it's any one specific industry. It depends on largely what the strategy of the company is, their, from what their ESG goals are, and what the, the kind of pressures are on them. So uh, we're finding companies that use a lot of gas in urban environments really want to decarbonize and are raising their hand saying, hey, what, do you, what have you got for us? We'd like to move away from high carbon source energy. Um, what can what can I do to re replace that? So we have a steel manufacturer here um, in or in downtown, <laughs> or oddly enough, uh, Portland. Uh, we have some uh, glass manufacturers. Um, we have um, a very large transit or uh, authority that's looking at moving to hydrogen away uh, away from other you know diesel and 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 battery electric. And uh, we also have a, a port that's kind of looking at at the future around aviation. And so all of all of these businesses together, they're actually clustered quite nicely, um, are kind of saying, hey, what have you got for us? Uh, can, can, can you help us decarbonize? And so we're, we're working with them to figure out a way to give them a lot of hydrogen uh, very, very efficiently. And we're looking at blue hydrogen options nearby that we can um, put into place to give them that low cost energy with low um, em emissions. So that's that's, to answer your question, it's a, it's a few different types of businesses. What are you sensing that you 
as an organisation will need to construct to kind of support this type of hydrogen economy? And where do you see this as being things where you'll need other, maybe other collaborators or other, other people to step in versus where you think it's something that NW can sort of own or pursue certain parts of that strategy? The solution for hydrogen, you know, it, it's going to be whatever low cost uh, source we can get right now, that's blue hydrogen. And uh, we as a gas utility have no experience in manufacturing blue hydrogen plants. Uh, there are some experts out there and, and clearly we're going to need to partner with them to not only construct, operate and possibly own these uh, blue hydrogen production assets, but also to find out where we can sequester the carbon that's associated with them. So we know that we have very favorable geology here in the state of Oregon. Um, some of it's in um, um, saline um, formations that are deep underneath you know, the city of Portland. We have some favorable geology out in the, in the, in the Northwest where we have our own uh, natural gas storage operations, uh, which will likely be very uh, well suited to carbon sequestration. But we're gonna need some partnerships to find out exactly where those, those um, storage reservoirs are. Um, and maybe take on a little bit of that exploration risk that a gas utility, you know, we're not known for taking on a whole lot of risk. So we're, we're likely going to need to partner with entities who are looking for, who do have an appetite for taking on risk in exchange for, for upside on the, on the back end. And uh, we're also going to need to partner with our local governments to, you know, on the permitting side, um, you know, that can really kill a project if the permitting just takes for, forever. And uh, it really isn't a wanted thing in the community, right? So we're gonna need to partner with our, our, our local governments as well. So um, hydrogen plants and also hydrogen pipelines, underground storage, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of partnerships to come. You mentioned that you know blue hydrogen is your source. Is there future potential for green? Do you have ready resources and kind of renewables that could lend itself to that? Absolutely, yeah. Green is going to be a big part of our portfolio in the in the future. Um, right now, the cost of electricity just is 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 too high to um, basically uh, support any large production of green hydrogen, but. As you look just a few years in the future, we think there's going to be ample supply of low-cost electricity to enable green as well as blue. I mean, wherever it comes from, as long as it's low-carbon, low-cost, we want to get it into the pipeline and deliver that energy to customers. And we've, we've over the last couple of years, we've, we've really looked hard to find low-cost electricity. In the Pacific Northwest, it's, um, it's been harder to find. Uh, you'd think that in the abundance of, of hydroelectric uh, <laughs> that we have, uh, we would be able to find uh, low-cost electricity, not quite low enough to enable these green projects today. Um, as as you get more wind and solar penetration, I think we are going to get there. But right now, um, by far the lowest cost is is blue. Now we are also looking at at projects in the Midwest. Um, so um, basically, up and down the Wind Belt, you have Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas, and uh, there we are finding low enough cost electricity to enable green projects, and we are pursuing those projects there. And um, under, under one of our mechanisms that we can buy gas, low-cost gas and low-carbon gas throughout North America called Senate Bill 98, we are looking at funding those projects uh, as well. So Stepping back to, to blue hydrogen then, tell me, tell me a little more. So it's a new, a new kind of production method uh, for you as a utility. What, how are you approaching it? When we talked before the podcast, you were explaining about the kind of exploration and storage issues again. So, so maybe let's just unpick that a little bit more. What, yeah, how are you managing that right now? Sure. Um, so we have a bit of, of 
um, geological experience. Like I mentioned, we have gas storage assets up in our mist area. Um, we store about 20 billion cubic feet of natural gas there. And uh, we, we do know our way around, around you know, doing that kind of thing. Um, but, but the exploration side here in, in near or in Portland is a little bit tougher. Um, it's a, um, it, it really can be a lot of uh, very expensive to start drilling holes and doing this seismic analysis. And um, you, know, you, you kind of don't know when that expense is going to end, right? And, and so uh, it's really hard to go after you know, spending a whole lot of money as a gas utility uh, again, averse to risk and really sign up for that, that kind of exploration piece. But we know that we, we need to do it. Um, we've, we've tried to get other partners um, to, to date to help us out with that. Uh, and they, um, some of these larger companies that have much more experience in this exploration side uh, are spending more of their time in other areas of the country where it's a little bit easier. So depleted oil wells and gas wells are, are obviously known entities and and, and probably a lot easier to go sequester carbon there. So uh, we're finding that we're going out on our own a little bit and, and maybe trying to frame that risk and um, see if we can't do some of our own work to do, uh, find exactly where the sequestration reservoirs are and uh, maybe do some of the development ourselves. Um, you know, really going out there uh, out on the limb as a gas utility. I mean, we've, we've never done this kind of work before, this, this exploration work. And uh, yeah, it's all, all kind of new for us. So is that, is that through partners or is that where you're bringing resource in-house to do that? Yeah, we're um, looking at bringing on some consultants to help us with that work. Um, in conjunction with, with our knowledge, uh, we're gonna, you know, we need to expand our, our abilities a little bit. But yeah, uh, partnering with people who have done that before. And uh, once we find that sequestration reservoir, I mean, then I think it's gonna be pretty straightforward and, and you know, um, getting partners lined up to to fund a blue hydrogen plant and to start putting hydrogen pipelines in the ground and repurposing lines. Uh, it's just that uncertainty around exactly where you put the carbon. It's really what we're trying to get around. Yeah, the, the other the other side of this that we would be mad not to address is that there are plenty, plenty of naysayers when it comes to blue hydrogen and Kind of a lot of fiery discussion around that, I guess, on in many countries at the moment. So if, if we take the kind of the main criticisms or the main question marks as how you make it safe, like how you make sure yeah, the actual sequestration is safe, but also how, how it's permanent, you know, how what what are you, you know, how are you you guys sort of thinking through those particular arguments? Because part of this is the engineering piece, but part of this is also about the communication and having a, a good, clear, open discussion about it, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, uh, there's no sense doing blue hydrogen if we do it wrong and it ends up, uh, you know, being unsafe or creating more emissions than, in, you know, let's say just combusting natural gas. I don't think there's anyone in the industry that wants to go down that path. Uh, you're absolutely right. We, we need to do it safely and we need to do it right. And so on the safe, safety part, um, you know, as you go through the, the class six well that the EPA has for sequestration, there's pretty, pretty rigid requirements in proving that whatever you put in the ground is going to stay in the ground. And uh, that process is, 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 is pretty robust. And, um, and, and that kind of work has been done before. It's been done safely. And, uh, and, and a, lot of, a lot of people don't realize that we have pockets and, and CO2 underground throughout the Earth's crust. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's there all the time. And it doesn't seem to be, you know, 
coming out in, in, in pockets all over the place, right? So we, we know that we can do this safely. Uh, there's other examples throughout the world. Equinor has done a lot of sequestration. Um, there's a sequestration um, plant in Saskatchewan in Canada that's been working very well for years. And so we know we can do this. We know we have the technology, but right, we need to continue to, to uh, have a good safety track you know, record there. And then um, we also need to make sure that there's aren't any any um, leakages from from this from a methane perspective. Upstream, um, you know, methane uh, emissions need to be um, you know addressed. And uh, yeah, we need to do it right at the end of the day. And then in the actual business model around blue hydrogen, obviously, you know, storage is is one option. Are you also looking at CO two reuse? What's your thinking around that at the moment? Yeah, we haven't uh, gone down the reuse path very much. We we just Right now, it's just about sequestration and just just keeping it there. But obviously, if there's something that you know it becomes useful for, uh, we have it there available for for use. And then a, a last question for you, Chris. Really, you know, we we frame this as this is one part of the renewables business for NW. Just out of interest, you know, how else? What else is going on in that in that business? You know, what else are you looking at? Yeah, we've been exploring renewable natural gas um, quite a bit. Actually, we've been signing contracts and we've been getting um, we've been developing projects. We've been um, entering into offtake agreements. Um, through that Senate Bill 98 uh, mechanism I mentioned earlier, we we're able to go purchase uh, higher cost gas on behalf of our customers, um, which is something that we weren't be able to do before. So typically a gas utility needs to buy the, the, the least cost, least risk um, energy source for their customers. Um, and so going to buy you know, renewable natural gas is has in the past been largely not possible. So we're able to buy um, by 2050 upwards of 30% renewable natural gas through this mechanism. And we've been seeking um, investment projects to, to develop as well as to offtake agreements throughout North America to, uh, for our customers. So to date, we have about uh, enough volume for about 2% of our customers um, just, just in one year. Uh, that's, we think that's pretty good. Uh, if you look at how, how long it took for the, the solar and wind to, to actually get to that level is much, much longer. And uh, so we've been moving pretty quickly and it's, uh, it's, it's been uh, pretty exciting on the, on the renewable natural gas portion. So we're also looking um, to develop renewable natural gas uh, assets in our region. So looking at wastewater treatment plants, we're looking at dairies and other, any, any source available that we can convert into renewable natural gas we're looking at. So that's, 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 that's a big piece of what the Renewables Group is working on today, in addition to hydrogen. Really interesting to hear a different perspective, certainly for us in our podcast on hydrogen. Often we're looking at it purely from the end use and when an industrial starts to look at it for uh, trial projects. But I think, I think interesting to understand the range of thought processes and the phases in development that it actually takes for a utility to be able to, to offer that. So thanks for talking us through that. My pleasure. Many thanks for listening to the Decarb Connect podcast. We work with clients across the industrial sectors, specifically those who are tasked with decarbonizing the most energy intensive products and materials that we use every day. If you have an interest in uh, learning more about either our members network, our reports or our event series, do get in touch with us at decarbconnect.com. Or if you'd like to take part in the podcast, email me, alex at ac at decarbconnect.com. Thanks for listening.